Did yep. you just say he was in a bedroom community? Yeah, 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 he yeah. did. That's oh, true. One hundred percent true. Yes. Yeah, I don't like even he... know what that means. I'm going to go crawl back under my rock and <laughs> pretend I didn't hear it. Okay. Well, so so. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode seventy-seven of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we're also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we're also joined by Tammy Corrin somewhere below the Mason-Dixon line. How you doing? All right. So, uh, speaking of which... Um, is this really episode 77, though? Like, 76 never aired. Bits, bits and pieces of it may turn up at some point in time. I've just been super busy. I haven't been able to, like, to get to editing it, to be honest with you. It's so there's some precedence here, though. Why? There's okay, a precedent. This is not the first time. This, there was another lost episode. Uh, yeah, we have. We have. What did we do there? Did we burn the number, or did we continue rolling forward to the number? We numbers? rolled forward to the number. Yeah, there we go. And I have, par- I have parts of that recorded, but then it's been so long, so I just never bothered putting it together. Yeah, so. that's what's going to happen to last week's show. That's I fine. feel honored to be part of this mystery episode, then. 77 is a great, great number. I love 77. It's the year that, you know, uh, Song Remains the Same came out, and it's the year that uh, I got my driver's license, and it's the year that Star Wars came out. So there. Doesn't that really would matter. Still be true next week. Just a number. All right. Especially um, when you're just making them up like this. But I, but I, I want to get to Tammy's condition right now. So, so Tammy, you had, you had <laughs> hang not, on. What, hey, wait, uh, wait, what's my condition? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you had a tornado warning the other day, or tornado like not? Yeah, wa- warning, not a no, watch. No, no, it was right? a warning. Yeah, we, you know, being uh, being that's in, like go hide your head between your legs, right? Kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and actually. Honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and I forgot to close the barn door, which I know sounds kind of funny. <laughs> so I had to it's actually a late go out. Now, right? I know, right? Uh, so I had to go out, and I got like nailed on the head with a with a giant piece of hail. But no, it was good. Wow. We did not need to go into the zombie shelter. Obviously, I'm still alive, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Um, Tornadoes are an interesting thing, and to be honest with you, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I would take a tornado over snow any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do not we... miss the snow. Oh, somebody sent a picture or something. No, that would be the Mason-Dixon line, just for oh, folks who are you. unfamiliar with the United States. Oh, cool. I'll put that on the... Uh... You know, that's further north than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. It's just the only geographical sort of thing that I could think of that, you know... Are you sure that's the current Mason-Dixon line? What? I have no idea. I am trusting (laughs) the current state of Wikipedia. Hmm. It does seem very north to me, too. Well, you're still covered. You're still south of it, so. Well, Virginia was part of the south, right? Virginia was a a southern state. Uh, Yeah, and North and South Carolina as well, which are further south than this. Yeah, well, not only did I fail math in school, I also failed geography, so I am not the one to ask. Alrighty then. Way uh, more than just code. <laughs> and we're talking about weather, which is Aaron's second favorite thing. I hate the football. weather. How'd you like the weather today? Stop it. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it because we know Aaron has to go to bed. So do I. Do you hear that Pars is shutting down? Pars? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> called it. I just called it. I probably called it. I mean, if if I had been able to call it, I would have called it. Really? Like a year, maybe two years ago. Whenever Facebook acquired them, I thought. That's oh, it. that would be almost three years ago. Three years ago, yeah. At the really? time, I was thinking to myself, yeah, that's that's a nokey dokey. Um, yeah, well, did you do ever think, 
Did you ever think, even even still, I mean, I always wondered about it because we, like I said, we considered it for a few minutes when we were building our app back in the day. Did you ever think it had a business model or like, I mean, making it free to like bazillion developers and then charging a few for going above a certain threshold? Come Did on, that make sense Tim. to you? Yeah, it made perfect sense. That was That's a Silicon Valley startup mechanism okay. happening right there. Yeah. It's, it's clear exactly what they were doing. And it worked, right? Like you, you offer it for free to certain limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody piles on and uses it. You get yeah. bought by a giant company. Right. And you stop worrying about money. Right, That's right. exactly what happened. And you stop worrying uh, about the servers as well. Well, I know. As far as I know, Parse worked fine, right? It's just yeah, I, I think a lot of people of, used it. Yeah, for sure. Tons of people. They, I, I think I heard some 900,000 apps rely mm. on Parse. Wow. Or some large number like that. And that in a year... Okay, we should back up, right? We should yeah. back up. Okay. We, should be, we should be good hosts. Um, Parse is a, uh, a data hosting service that started out several years ago with a very easy API. And the idea is that it would give mobile developers a very quick and easy uh, data backend to use with their applications. So mm-hmm. um, basically, it, you, you installed the SDK in your app, and you could readily query uh, push and pull data from um, a web service. And the idea with Parse is that it's uh, you know obviously low cost. And so just like AWS, Amazon Web Services, it was really easy to get started with them and start using it in your app. But Parse is basically like a, a hosted web application environment that you probably, if, if your business is going to be sufficiently large and successful, uh, probably shouldn't rely on. Um, right. yeah. You know, especially, <laughs> it's clear now why that is, but uh, back mm-hmm. in the day, uh, I think it was still clear. You know, you're you're taking like the key part of your your infrastructure as a business and outsourcing it to a company who could disappear any day, um, and that became even more of a, an apparent concern when Facebook bought them. Uh, like I said, three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, at the time of that acquisition, uh, they were quite clear by saying uh, nothing's going to change. Parse is going to get better than ever, and uh, a lot of people freaked out as they should have, and some people migrated elsewhere. Uh, either to building their own web infrastructure or finding other solutions. Um, but those that stayed, and many, many did, <laughs> uh, are now getting burned. Mm. So um, this is a really big deal because uh, in a year's time when Parse actually you know shuts down, uh, there are going to be a bunch of apps that have not migrated to something else, and they will simply stop working. Right, yeah. You know, it'll be the end of it. You know, Just you turn on the app and nothing happens. Wow. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Now, having said that, don't want to like completely throw Parse in under the bus because they have released a migration tool that will allow you to mo- move your data out of Parse and into a MongoDB database. This is an open source key value mm-hmm. store database, very well regarded. Um, but also, they have a, an open source Parse server, and I, I take it that this is uh, basically the same thing as their their internal uh, server that they use, so that you could take the, uh, their infrastructure, basically install it on your own server, right. um, and then just keep on going and presumably change the endpoint of your API calls, uh, but then you'd just be off and running. Right. Which right. is actually, you know, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, this is actually very interesting new infrastructure that's available to mobile developers, you know. Uh, it's based on Node.js, so if you um, have any comfort at all running with Linux servers, um, and building uh, application software with Node, you can take this Parse server and um, you know run your own infrastructure with it, which I think takes away any concerns that I would have had with something like Parse back in the day because I could control the infrastructure. 
and it's based on open source software. But uh, the only thing is um, the fact that you have to sort of manage it yourself, right? So well, yes, of course. Uh, but you know, that's, I could that's the that difference as- between you know not being a, people who aren't system administrators. You know, to me, it's like yeah, it's just another server to run. But you know, to to those of you out there who don't do that kind of stuff on a daily basis, it could be scary. Well, this is the thing, right? If you're an app developer and you're just getting started with a startup idea, for example, you, you want to uh, make things as fast as possible. And mm-hmm. making that decision about your web backend um, you know, is, is something that you can do. But um, in the long term, that's a really bad idea, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so having the opportunity to move that in-house, uh, this, because it's so important. Like, I can't overstate how important it is to control your own backend if you are a a software business, right? Of yeah, any kind, yeah, yeah. you know? So uh, with this announcement, you know, being able to run a parse server of your own is uh, is really fantastic. But of course, you know, uh, here's the other thing that's happened. There's, there are companies out there that have taken this open source parse server and uh, they're starting up their own backend as a service Already, system. Already, eh? okay, Yeah, sure. Good. good old capitalism, yep. That's what it's there for, yeah. So um, if if... Getting burned this once wasn't good enough for you. You can you can find many companies out there who will sell you happily take your money. Yeah, yeah, access to their own uh, parse servers. Yeah, yeah. So you still don't have to manage your own infrastructure. I don't know. I pity the fool that does that. But there it is. There it is. Yeah. Well, I think the prediction was uh, among some of the people that I've been talking to that AWS is sort of if you're looking for something that that theoretically isn't going to go away anyway anywhere soon. AWS would be the one because you know it's got the Amazon back end, right? So yeah, AWS is fine. Um, it, it can its cost can go up pretty quick. Yeah, uh, that's the thing I find about it. Yeah, I think it, I think you get like a, a month trial and then and then the meter starts running because I, I remember I, yeah. did a, I used it for a tutorial um, a while <clears> back and then re- was surprised to find that, that I had to kill it, you know, like to get out of yeah. it. Yeah, well, it, it you pay by the hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, basically you just uh, turn on a, a machine and uh, you can configure it to use as many, uh, sort of similar to uh, Heroku, which mm-hmm. uses the concept of dynos, which I believe are virtual CPUs. And, um, you know, the more you have, the more expensive it is per hour. So Heroku is also a, like a, a pay-for-play pay kind of thing as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you know, there's a free tier, but... It's, once it's you, a Ruby tool for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a hosting environment. Yeah. Uh, it's like a virtual hosting. It's not just for Ruby. Yeah. It's for lots of different things. But a lot of Ruby people use it, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah it got popular by them. So, uh, yeah, a lot of... It's a, it's a galaxy of choice out there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as Parse is concerned, um, you know, I think anybody that relied upon it uh, is getting a hard lesson this yeah. week yeah um, well, it's a it's a similar kind of thing that we've talked about you know um some of us are not in favor of third-party libraries in our apps and and for similar reasons that you know six months a year from now you know when something changes god knows what's going to happen with that that library right or whether it's going to be maintained or kept up to date or that kind of stuff right yeah, yeah you know tim true. i have to say that's the camp that i'm in i'm, yeah. I'm always leery of third-party libraries i mean it don't get me wrong there's a bunch of great ones out there but i'm always afraid that i'm going to sink all this time and energy and resources into getting this third-party library to work and then you know six months down the road boom it's gone it's not supported whatever the case is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah sometimes you know especially working with ios app development you you do tend to run into issues with speed and and just usability and things like that with certain frameworks that you've got available within the SDK versus third-party libraries. But still, I 
I have to say that I there's some sort of sense of security for me when I'm working with you know, something like, let's just say with Apple, you know, working with their stuff, I feel like they're going to support it going forward. And if they don't support a particular API or something going forward, they're going to have a solution for you ready before they make the switch. And it kind of goes back to, and, and I know this is a little off topic here, but it's like all these services out there where, you know, I'm looking for accounting software for my business and they're all online services. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, man, I want to buy an app and (laughs) I want to install it on my computer and use it locally and maybe share it within my computers, you know, within my own network environment. But when I'm relying on an online resource, it's like, are you guys going to be here in a year? Like, what if I need to get to my accounting program or my invoices or something and you fold up in a year where does that leave me so it seems like everything is going in that direction and i don't know what to do as a developer as a business owner you know do you do you buck the system or you just sort of go with it and pray for the best yeah it's hard to say well you you and your mother used to be in early early adopters into the whole um online world as it were right because you ran your own um what do, you, what do we call those bulletin boards and that kind of stuff back in the day right yeah but that was different i mean people weren't running their businesses and expecting rbbs to be there you know right. three years yeah. from now we, we were just there for like you know hey get on have a chat do FidoNet, play stupid games we weren't there running a business or expecting our app to work you know someone else's yeah, app yeah. to work your livelihood you know? wasn't running right yeah exactly and it's like you know i i know people who try and run their business off of email okay mm-hmm. <laughs> which you shouldn't do i mean you have got to have a better system in place and even with you know parse folding and, and things like that it's like it It's just so scary nowadays thinking that everything is moving to cloud and online (laughs) and third-party libraries, and it's like, gosh, what are we doing? Well, as as Aaron said earlier, it sort of seems to be that startup mentality, you know, let's get it out there real quick and then we'll figure it out later, which to me always sounds like a really bad business plan, you know? Yeah, that's what not to do. I mean, you've heard of that show, What Not to Wear? Well, that's what not to do. (laughs) You heard it here first, right? (laughs) So, Jaime, take your finger off the button. Say something. <laughs> Sorry, I was just patiently waiting my turn, uh, <laughs> well, hearing all the wonderful comments. Um, I, I do think that it is, uh, you know, it's rather unfortunate, of course, for everybody who's um, been involved with, with Parse and the Parse employees themselves, of course. Um, I do think that I've never seen a shutdown quite as elegant and great as this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, usually these sort of shutdowns are, hey, by the way, at the end of the month, we're going to delete everything. So, maybe you can get your data out sort of stuff. Uh, so open sourcing and giving these migration tools and a full year's advanced warning is great. You know, we've talked about these kind of topics before. Um, I can't remember exactly which episode it was. It was probably pretty early on. About there's, there's kind of a couple of camps that look at this sort of thing. You know, there's the one camp of this is your business. You got to own and do every little thing. Uh, top to bottom right uh-huh. and then there's the other folks who say i i need to do what i'm really good at and everything else needs to get out of my way i believe we were talking about the uh marco armand and brent simmons opposite views of the world at, at some point right there were a couple different articles came out and i think it really depends so it, i think the lesson here is yes if you have a business this needs to be a, an important lesson to you to say hey let me really truly evaluate the risk here that i'm going with 
right? This was a startup. This was a uh, venture capital funded item and not a um, you know, necessarily revenue generating oriented kind of company and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and at the time, it was not open source. That's uh, certainly adds a different layer of risk. As far as a lot of other folks where, uh, let's say, students who are non-business, right? You're learning how to create iOS and Android apps, and you need some sort of back-end. You really want to focus on the mobile side and not so much on the data storage side. Uh, Parse was perfect for that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate they're going away, but there are still other alternatives. And even for developers who are thinking of business, I think unless you're really, really sure that this is, you know, the right way you want to go and like, yes, this is going to work out, or at least I'm very committed to making sure that this works out. How many times have we said like, Hey, you know, there is a strategy where you just create a bunch of stuff, throw it at the wall, see what sticks and then go with it. Right. 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 So people have had many years of a free ride on parse. And in fact, they still will have one more year of yeah, a free was, ride I on parse. I, was, I, I, had, I thought for some reason I thought it was six months, but a year does sound like a long time to me. Yeah. Yeah, so this long free ride of, let me throw something out there. Oh, nobody liked that app. Well, that's okay. I built it in a weekend. Let me go build something else. Sure. Right? Where if you had done your own server setup, that would be much more time-consuming to Mm -hmm. to set up and and do everything, Mm -hmm. even if you were reusing a lot of bits. So I don't know that it's a a black-and-white issue, but it's certainly something that people should be very, very aware of when they're making these sorts of decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, there's, there's going to be, even with a year, there's going to be a ton of apps that are just going to be not working on January 29th of 2017. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate with the abandonware pieces. Um, I think getting back to sort of what Tammy was, was talking about is, at least with something that is open source, you know, if coming from the developer side, y- you do have it there and available to use, even if you're the only person in the universe who's still using it. Uh, but with these hosted services and these, you know, X as a service items, like you can't do anything if it goes away. Yeah. Right. You're, yeah. you're left back at square one. With that said, there are some alternatives out there because folks will need, definitely need something, right? Microsoft has Azure mobile services. It's a relatively comparable thing. I've not used it myself. There are many people who have. It's, uh, it does have, you know, more of a payment model in it. They're, they're, free aspect is not quite as generous as parse so you know if that helps you evaluate the risk and also the fact that you know this is in microsoft's best interests as it's looking to generate revenue outside of windows and office and its traditional models right like this is this is not the sort of thing that's going to be um, acquired by another company or at least not very likely as far as things that are acquired uh firebase is really popular in the android world and that was acquired by google recently so Mm -hmm. you know have that as you may and there actually is a GitHub page, which I'll, I'll put in the, the links here so that sure. we can put in the show notes, that a whole bunch of folks have been trying to collectively grab all of these different things that are alternatives for, uh, to be quite honest, the whole slew of things that Parse did, right? Parse was a lot of different things to different people. Some people, it was a data backend. Some people, it was purely a push notification service and Others, it was a identity management because it did so well to integrate with Facebook and other bits. So mm-hmm. we'll make sure that folks have uh, some information there. But again, you, folks just really need to think long and hard and, and <laughs> be very careful with this sort of thing. Do you want to do some FU? Do we have any FU? Or do you want to do some... Wait this a one... second. FUs mean follow-ups? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really mean FU, but we're, F-U, Tammy, we're too F-U. polite. <laughs> I was just sitting back trying to figure it out. <laughs> 
there was one article here. I'm not, maybe it was the art. Or, well, I guess in terms of follow up, did you did you have a look at the uh, article by Orda on, uh, on getting a job, at. getting your first iOS job? No, I haven't looked at any of your links. What do you want to say about it, Tim? Well, um, so uh, as a bit of a follow up, Orta wrote um, Orta from Artsy. Uh, he wrote, uh, and he's also the captain of leader leader guy for CocoaPods. Um, wrote an article on four other junior developers in terms of uh, how to go and find a job and how to get a job, how to find out where the jobs are. You know, and he suggests going to meetups and you know basically networking with other develop other developers. Um, he suggests that even you know those of us who've got great jobs have gone through a number of interviews. You know where it didn't matter how good we were or how bad we were, we just kind of got no thanks from the from the interviewer. Um, as well, uh, and there's a lot of different resources in there, and it's it's a pretty well writ- well written thing. Orta, is, as we as I mentioned earlier, works for Artsy now. He's uh, you know he's one of the big guys behind uh, taking or- uh, Artsy to being an open source platform, as well as you know a great app for our, the arts community. Um, did you have a look at it, Jaime? Or I have not read this before, and it is um, it is quite wordy. So the TLDR is definitely appreciated. Yeah, so it, it's it's an interesting read if you're if you're a young guy out there and you're thinking you know how do I get my first iOS job how do I find it where they are it's a great resource from that point of view um, it does speak well I mean uh, those of us who discussed it uh, after it came out a couple of days ago um, kind of all sort of said yes it's you know very well very well written very well said and there was a few other things like I you know mentioned going to conferences and stuff like that might be a good good source for uh, for younger developers as well but the bottom line is get out there and talk to people I think that's the biggest biggest problem that most of us in this community have a challenge. Wait, we have to talk to people yeah you have to actually leave the house Tammy oh okay <laughs> <laughs> that blows yeah it ain't gonna happen <laughs> Well, you guys have already established, though. See, that's the difference, right? When you're a young guy and you're a young girl and you're out there trying to get that first job, you know, how do you do it? It's true, you know, like that's how I got started. I, I went to a lot of conferences back in the day when I was getting into this business. And mm-hmm. uh, and joining Taco, of course, was a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Know? And uh, But I don't go to conferences much anymore. Um, and, yeah, I, don't, I also uh, don't feel that burning need as much as I used because I am – now working as as one of these developer people of whom you speak. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he talks about, you know, the, there's some lists, as we, we talked about on the show, that Natasha the Robot now has a job board, and I think Core Intuition has a job board. We've talked about them before. Apple has its own job site as well. Um, and Stack Overflow is another place you can, there, as well as finding the answers to how to build stuff, there's also a sort of a little sh- uh, side um, site that does... Um, uh, job listings and that kind of stuff in your in your area or wherever it is you want to go, right? So, yeah, sort of. And he, he gives some good examples too. He has our, our friend uh, friend of the show, Ash Furrow. He he actually included Ash's letter to Artsy when he was first looking to join them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And at that point, at that point in time, I mean, Ash was already he had already done a gig in in Amsterdam Amsterdam for a while, and he'd been around for a while. And so, um, but but it's still a good thing. And and he's got um. Or to actually put up uh, five versions of his own resume, showing how it progressed over time in terms of how he built up his skills. And, and uh, his, his last one's actually got sort of like a graphic across the bottom. Looks like his commits from uh, GitHub. You know, the little graphic you get with the little tiles. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you get a job if you're just starting out? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is is 
where the suggestion is to get out there and network and and go to interviews and and uh, you know just don't don't be uh, don't be put put off by the fact that that you're going to get a lot of no's before you get a yes or a maybe even you know so and what's yeah, I think the... it's really going to vary right like yeah. like where are you starting from I mean the easiest possible thing is to be um, somebody who's been programming you know all their life since they were a little kid and yeah. they're probably an upper, upper middle class to you know upper class um person in the bay area right going to stanford <laughs> i mean yeah. let's just be honest like that's that's like easy mode there right so yeah. as you back away from those and you have uh folks who immigrated to the country or they're um you know maybe they're the first time student and go to university maybe they didn't even go to university for for anything much yeah. less something yeah. even vaguely related to the software development area um it will vary but i do think that uh, despite all the art uh, the different obstacles that people can have uh, one thing that's really i don't know been ingrained in me um over my career is that it's you know fully half of how successful you're going to be you know barring weirdo lottery type things that happen uh-huh. is going to be you know, not just what you know and how good you are, sort of technically, but who you know is is, is fully fifty percent. It, it's easily that fifty. Yeah. Um, you Jesus. have to be you have ninety. To be extra- <laughs> you have to be extraordinary to overcome whatever major deficiencies you might have in the ability to get your name out there, build a brand, sure. be unafraid to talk with people. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, like I said, it's it's a good article if you want to sort of. He covers off a lot of the different sort of areas that that one has to consider when you're when you're looking for a job, you know, sort of uh, or looking for a job in this business in, in you know, iOS or as a product manager or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, just don't be put off by. In fact, one of our friends of the show who I know is going to be listening to this episode actually drives a forklift every day and and writes apps at night. So. You know, it, it, it takes all kinds. More than just code. And forklift driving. Yeah, I would agree. Jaime, I love that part. You know, it, who you know matters so much. And so getting to know people is a big deal. Yeah. And you've got to get the technical skills. And, you know, like your forklift driver, I was sort of like that too. You know, like there was, you know, look at me five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was just starting to uh, teach myself iOS development, basically. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing it in the nights, in nighttime every night for you know years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's that's the only way how did you teach yourself i'm curious uh by doing like i wanted to write an app and so i just kept hitting it like bashing my head against the wall until it worked Mm -hmm. um you know i read books uh, i I bought like every edition of hill gas's cocoa development with mac os 10 um this predates the iphone (laughs) um sure and uh, and then with iPhone development, I, I bought books. I, I read like the first half of the books, um, and then kind of went, okay, I think I see what I'm doing now. And then Stack Overflow and other Google searches, and you know, just just keeping at it, just keeping at it, never stopping, never stopping mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. until it's working, until I get it. So playing the ever pessimist that I am on this end over here. How do you take someone who's not had a formal education, right? They've not gone to a university or a college or something like that, yet they have the skill set required to do the job. You know, they're self-taught, they've got online, they've they've gone through Stack Overflow, they've, you know, done Ray Wenderlich, they've they've watched the Lynda.com tutorials. How do they get the job? I mean, you you've always got these 
requirements and prerequisites from these these jobs that are looking for people who have experience or yeah. who have the the numbers and the letters after their name how do those people get the job oh i think that they certainly can i, I think it's it's wide open for people like that with sufficient ambition and drive mm-hmm. uh absolutely you know i i don't have any qualifications nothing official right i got a i got a um, a degree in english a master's degree in publishing you know nothing to do with building apps or programming at all you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 100% self-taught so the only way to do it is to you know do your own work go out there publish your own apps because that's easy to do anybody can do that right yeah yeah get a small job working for someone uh you know help them out a bit uh get permission to show that in a portfolio that you make online uh meet people communicate uh, this is the work of years. It took years to get to this level, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think that's open to anyone, you know. Like if if you're ambitious and serious about learning, if you go to the events and meet the people and and you know get involved in your community, um, and if you're a, a liked member of the community, I mean, obviously that's important. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then I can't imagine you not succeeding, especially now when. You know, there's so much work out there. You know, I got like two more recruiters coming at me today. Yeah, I get them every day. It's crazy. So So how else besides conferences do you get yourself out there? Do you start a website or do you, you know, obviously you need a GitHub and you need to network. But what are the other things? What, What are the other things listeners can do who are just starting out? to get their name out there, to, to get that job, to land that job that they've always wanted, or, or to even, you know, start a career as an indie, right? Yeah. yeah. The first step, I think, is to go to your local Cocoa Heads chapter. Yeah, it's networking um, for sure. Yeah, it's the biggest thing, and it's the easiest, too, Well, I mean, because and, and so many cities have one. There's also the, there's also the rural challenge for some people as well. <laughs> right. I mean, well, I mean it, Aaron, Aaron lives out in Whitby, too. He's, he's kind of relatively rural. You're Earl? No, I'm suburban. Rural. Well, you're yeah, you're in, you're in a bedroom community, but the. Did the, you just say he was in a bedroom community? Yeah, 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 he yeah. did. Oh, That's gosh. true. hundred percent true. Yes, I don't like even he, know what that means. I'm going to go crawl back under my rock and pretend <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay, well, so so uh, coming back to that, so there are other things like, for instance, when the Watch program came along, uh, when Watch OS or Watch 1.0 came out, you know, Brian Gillum started the Watch. A Slack group, and so you can join up a Slack group, or you can. There are are ways to connect with other developers online, you know, through to small groups. I mean, Slack has sort of taken over where bulletin boards and what was that app we used to use before Slap came along? Um, hotline. Not a hotline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hotline back in the day too. Yeah, um, yeah. How far back are you going? Like IRC? No, no, was... I'm talking like the the tool we used that the Justin Williams bought. Um, oh, Glassboard. Oh, Glassboard. Glassboard. Yeah, we were, using, yes. we were using that, and you know, and there's Twitter too. You can also go. I on think Twitter is huge. Well, Twitter's t- you know, and as much as people are sort of saying Twitter's dead, it's still very big no, in the development no, no, no. community, right? Because massive, a lot massive, of us massive. get out there and share code and that kind of stuff, and um, you know, and you can you can meet up with other people, right? And, uh, well, the great thing about Twitter is that, like, you meet someone in real life, right, at a conference or at your local Cocoa Heads group. Yeah. Um, you get their Twitter handle and you follow them. And now, like, over time, you just get to know that person, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, I met a whole bunch of people uh, at conferences. Like, I went to, like, C4 twice and I went to Second Conf, like, all these conferences in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, I met so many other great developers from all over North America. You know, 
and I'm following them on Twitter. I'm still following them, you know, and I haven't seen them in probably eight to ten years. But, um, mm. you know, like one of them showed up at Toronto's Apple TV Tech Talks, uh, Mike Piata Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a developer of uh, Seasonality, a big weather app. And he's from Michigan, so he drove up to Toronto for the Apple TV Tech Talks. I hadn't seen him probably in six years. Right, you know? right. Yep. But, you know, we knew each other very well because we read each other every day on Twitter. Yep. You know? Yep. And so the, the, the effect of that is that, you know, if anybody in my network hears of a job, they might think of me. You right. know, yep. because they know I'm looking, you know, like at that point. And that's exactly what happened with this uh, new job that I have right now. Uh, someone I met at the Apple TV Tech Talks and following on Twitter uh, sent it to me and said, hey, I, I know you're looking. Um, here's something that came across. Mm-hmm. Same so, thing happened, just happened with me with the, with the bank job I just got. It was the same, right. same deal. But somebody I spoke to years ago at a, at a meetup. Um, I was actually looking to hire him to work, help me work on some stuff. And we just sort of kept in touch with each other. And then, yeah, then when I put the word out to, to uh, the taco that I was looking, my resume ended up in his hands and he sort of gave me a call and said, let's talk. So, yeah. So it really is all about connections. It oh is. God. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. It, yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is it. But, you know, by the time you get to the, to, to walk, you know, I, I'm, went in as a senior developer, but same as Aaron, you know, basically taught myself to get to where I am today. And that's through doing and, you know, doing it every day and building different things, you know, and, uh, you know, and writing for Ray Wendelik and, and teaching and that kind of stuff has all, all helped me get my chops as it were. Right. Well, I was just going to say, they say the best way to learn is to teach. So yeah, if you can find true. yourself in a teaching or mentor type role, I mean, that's, that's really the best way to learn. Yeah, and, and I've mentioned it before on the show before uh, before that um, Ryan Nussman gave a talk last year about even if you even if you meet one person who knows less than you and you help them get to that next rung on the ladder, um, you've done something you've given back to the community, and and there's always going to be somebody out there that that just needs that extra little helping hand, right? Well, there's uh, always going to be someone who knows more than you, and there's always going to be a situation where you know more than someone else. So yeah, yeah. So share it. Yeah. yeah, seriously. And, you know, the one thing that bothers me is that, well, it doesn't bother me, but it's like some people are afraid to put out their opinion or to get out of their comfort zone and do teaching and training and things like that because they feel like they can't give back to the community or they don't have something to offer. Right. And that is so untrue because the position that they're in now is different than where they were, let's say, six months ago. Right. But someone else is where they were six months ago and they can import that information and that wisdom onto that person and bring them up. Like you said, you know, help them out, bring them to the next level. Mm -hmm. And you just have to put yourself out there. You have to make the connections. You have to understand that the things that you know, and the things that you take for granted, someone else may not know and just tell them, Mm -hmm. you know, share it, share that wisdom, move it. What do they say? Uh, pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. And that's what Orch is doing here with this article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's really good. And, and I do think that um, because there are, you know, bits where folks can have difficulties, you know, maybe folks do live in a rural area or maybe you do live in an area where, quite frankly, there may not be a lot of the kind of work that you would like to do and, and mm-hmm. moving may not be a possibility for you, right? So. I do think that the thing that you could do, or at least the major goal you can have, if you if you don't have a lot of the boxes that are traditionally checked for these sorts of jobs, is do everything you can 
to reduce the risk for that person on the other side, right? So I'm, I'm looking at this from a like hiring manager standpoint, mm-hmm. right? So they, once upon a time, people used to say, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM equipment. <laughs> and that's true, right? Like, it's a very safe thing. Nobody ever got fired for hiring the PhD from Stanford or MIT, right? right? Like, it's like, look, I, I did my best. It, 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 sometimes stuff doesn't work out. Right. Um, so if you can get your voice out there, you know, by blogging, by doing podcasts, by having open source code out there somewhere on like GitHub or Bitbucket, or if you have apps in the App Store, you know, anything you can do to, you know, help people feel at ease with you as, you know, as a risk item, right? Every every person you interview, every person you hire is, is a risk, no matter how good that person seems. Mm-hmm. And to everything you can do to you know, get over those hurdles is just going to increase your chances. Well said. There's one that was interesting here. Oh, I, I, do, I did want to... So what's that? Go ahead, Tommy. Why I write in Objective-C? Yeah, I was going to... I was going to... So there's, there's two things. There's one on Objective-C, and there's a couple here on Swift that... that uh, but I also I, I did want to ask Aaron if you saw the uh, the post about the dude who complained on the App Store about the developer not having studied computer science. Didn't we talk about that last week? No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. No. Um, it just feels yeah, like we did. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, and I th- that, that's the that's the point of this show really is to is to sort of point out that there is more than just computer science to building an app, right? Well, obviously. Um, yeah. But the, no, I. I I, I read this review, and it... Uh, shall I read it? Sure. <laughs> yes, I was going to suggest that you read it, Aaron. All right. <laughs> With your sultry voice. Uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, a reading by Aaron Bay. All right. This is a, uh, a review, of, you know, theoretically, a review posted for an app called Deliveries, which is actually a very highly regarded app for iOS uh, to track deliveries, you know, to your house when you order packages. Here's the review. Um, the last issue that I had is from what I can tell, the developer has no formal computer science or software engineering training. I found him on LinkedIn, and it looks like he went to a creative institute. This makes God me question forbid. the longevity and underlying quality of the software. I've researched some of the other paid apps, and I was able to find some which have developers who have attended school for software, which lets me know that they've got the tricks of the trade. Wow. Unprecedented. To me, this, this feels like a, um, a hatchet job. Like, the, whoever wrote this is knows the developer already. <laughs> and is troll, yeah. <laughs> but probably has, like, a personal grudge against the developer. That's my thinking. I don't know. You think? Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, who's going to look up someone on LinkedIn, right? No, he's a, he's a troll. I mean... <laughs> just a random troll, do you think? I, I really think he is a random troll. Maybe you're right. I mean, maybe he's got a personal grudge against the guy, but... Listen, you're talking to a high school dropout right now who has zero computer science skills or formal, formal training. training. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's why you're on the show, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's clearly not for the eye candy. It's okay. I'm all right with that. But you know, it's like we used to have this argument in in like earlier jobs that I had as a, as a network administrator and things like that. You know. You've got people who have gone through years and years and years and years of, of formal training, and then you've got people who have those same years of training on the job. Mm-hmm. And you really can't compare because what you read in a book and what you learn in a book is best case scenario. And it's almost like, you know, put on your 
your gear that makes everything in the world perfect and you're dealing with a perfect problem and here's your perfect solution. And then you've got the real world problem where nothing is ever like it is written in the book. Right. Now, that doesn't mean to say that school is a bad thing and that you can't learn anything. I'm, I'm certainly not making any digs at anyone who have went to school. I mean, if if I could go back and redo it, yes, I would probably try and do school the right way. But what I'm saying is just because someone has those letters after their name doesn't automatically make them more important, more intelligent, more better suited for the job. It just means that they went to school. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a troll, and I want to smack him. <laughs> here here <laughs> yeah me too because that's it, it perpetuates a lot of um myths and a lot of problems we have in this industry and certainly we've talked about on the show before that um this is why we end up having a lot of the tunnel vision and sort of lack of diversity type issues in the industry because of stuff like this that we really just need to get away from and uh, I will go on the record as saying that I am somebody who does have formal computer science and software engineering training. And, you know, even I even I feel offended by this, right? And I, should, I know it shouldn't even qualify as, like, being offended by this. It's just ter- you know, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Enough said. Well, I think, well, no, one more thing, Tim. Not quite enough. I was going to say, well... This is me we're talking about here, man. I know, but we've given this guy as much, much airtime as he deserves. But go ahead, say your thing. Yeah. Um, the The great thing about software is that it can be judged on its own merits, right? Uh-huh. You know, this this is um, one of those things where it doesn't matter who made it. What matters is how it works, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a meritocracy, you know, it, or at least in, you know, ideally it's a meritocracy. Uh, this guy's trying to knock that meritocracy down. See, uh, this um, is why I should have went to school. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> Meritocracy, uh, where the I'm not as uh, smart as you. <laughs> the people who who run it uh, earned it. They earned it by being better. Okay. Uh, so, and you, you you be better just by shipping a better app, right? Yep. Um, you look at you look at deliveries. Uh, it's got good design. It works. Well, he went um, to a creative school, so it makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, you and I, Tim, we we would argue that uh, having a, a a liberal arts education. Mm-hmm. Uh, positions us better for for doing this kind of work because there's an art to it. Yep, oh, I, I I believe that. Tammy, what what's your story? Um, you, I'm you an angry, like bitter, yeah, you woman. angry and upset. <laughs> <laughs> what's um what's wrong? What's wrong? Talk to us. No, no. Actually, actually, things are really good. I just I get so angry when people pin so much on on school and education, the way that. It, it's really difficult to say because I feel like I'm in between a rock and a hard place. I strongly am for education. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there, that I am strongly for education. I think if a person can better themselves by being educated, then they should absolutely do it. What I'm against is the way that education, at least in the States, has been pigeonholed into this you know, one-size-fits-all thing, right? right? In high school... At least for me, you know, and I'm, I'm in my 40s now, so this is going a while back. If you didn't fit into a particular type of student, 
then you were left behind, so to speak. You mm-hmm. you did not fit the way that education was meant for you, for the rest of society. So guess what? We're not going to pay attention to you. And that, for me, had a very negative impact on school. I mean, even for reading, like kids are forced to read these boring things that they never want to read, mm-hmm. and that just makes them not want to read. I think kids and even adults should be allowed to express how they want to learn and and I understand that you know you've got you know teachers are what like one to forty students now, so it's very difficult for them to focus on a single student and how they learn but really we we need to focus on how poorly our public school and our education system is and allow the people who don't fit the mold to learn in different ways for me. <laughs> It's funny because, yeah, I make I make fun. I make jokes about being a high school dropout and how I never did high school and, and school in general. And here I am looking for things to learn about, salivating at all these different things that are out there on the Internet in different ways I can learn online, through mm-hmm. other people, through conferences. And now I myself am an educator. And it's kind of like an on ironic thing you know (laughs) it's just really funny because i hated education as a kid but as an adult i absolutely love it i i i'm looking for more knowledge the more you teach me the more i want to learn the more i want to learn the more i want to teach other people and i just feel like there's something missing in the public school and the education that these kids especially these kids who don't learn the way that other kids learn Uh They're missing out. They're getting left behind. I was one of the lucky ones. I was. I happened to to fall in the right place at the right time, and you know, I didn't end up on the streets. I didn't end up dead or all those bad things that could happen. But there are other kids who do because they've never been told that. Hey, listen, you can learn something. Maybe not the way we're teaching you, but go out, find what interests you, attach to it, learn it, absorb it. And then regurgitate it for other people. And then guess what? When you're done with that, there's more here for you to learn. Uh And I just wish that 20 years ago someone was there to tell me that because there wasn't. It took a long time for me to realize that there are other ways to learn. So I'm going to step off my soapbox and and be done with this. So that's what's wrong with me. Yeah, you're right. It, That's it, legit. <laughs> it is It is a bit formulaic, and I think that, you know, those of us who have young kids in school now, I'm not sure how Aaron's um, daughter f- is being treated, but, you know, my one of my grandsons, or actually both of my grandsons, one of them, he's just brilliant. He's, he pulled up my Apple II computer last week, and he was learning basic, like, in, in an afternoon. And yet, you know, the teachers in his school want to drug him to make him fit into that little square box that all, they want all the students to fit into, you know. Yeah, they're, they're still it's still it's still problematic with with kids in school, but yeah, and and I'm I'm the same way. I mean, there were certain subjects that I loved when I was a kid, and I would you know like art class and science and stuff like that. I was totally into, but English and, ge- and geometry and history, sorry, geography and history, I really had no time for. But now, having you know lived a life, and and now that stuff is fascinating, you know. But uh, but at the time, it wasn't wasn't being presented in a way that made sense that made it interesting for me, right? So. Oh, they have to bring back all these extra stuff like art and and mm-hmm. music and they computers. don't teach art and music in school anymore. 
No, not <laughs> wow. Not like you would expect. I mean, there there are art and things like that, but you get a check mark for your grade. You don't get any critique. You don't get anything. Really? Yeah, my kids are not in public school. My my children are both homeschooled mm-hmm. for that reason. You know that public school just wasn't giving them the education that I felt they deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but seriously, I mean, even even computers class i remember when my kids were in fourth grade or or third grade and their computers class was just not what you would expect or what i would expect someone to be able to teach a fourth grader these kids are smarter than we are you know they're smarter Uh than when you and i were in fourth grade they need to be learning the fundamentals of programming there's Uh no reason why they can't teach a fourth grade student all about python or even visual basic for that matter Uh why are you teaching them how to open up a document in word are you kidding me (laughs) really because that's all they know you know that's the worst part it's yeah. crazy. Like See, the kids you've are touched way ahead of the a nerve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I better well. sit back and just be quiet because you really touched a nerve. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, okay. Well, maybe maybe we got to go on to another topic. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> a Swift Algorithm Club. Tell me. Well, this yes. is, yeah, this is our yeah. Buddy. This is a. Um, we'll have the link to this uh, really nifty GitHub project that has. A whole array, no pun intended, of, <laughs> <laughs> of data structures, examples, and algorithm examples. They happen to be in Swift, so kind of a mm-hmm. win-win scenario for folks who are you know, looking to learn about those sorts of topics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people can just review these things. Gosh, there's all sorts of stuff here. Those really typical things like uh, the different kinds of sorts, bubble sort, merge sort, quick sort, selection sort. You have... Hash tables, you have heaps, you have linked lists, and, and stack. Yes, yeah, stack is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of wonderful things to learn about. Uh, if, since it is open source, you can have your own pull requests. You know, maybe fix something in the documentation. Maybe fix something like, hey, you know, actually, there's a better way, or maybe a more clear way that I've found, uh, or maybe something isn't quite 100 percent correct. And it's a really good learning experience. It's, it's this sort of thing that nowadays we actually have access to, right? So I'm just real thankful for this sort of thing. Uh, I don't even know what some of these are. <laughs> well, this is posted by select. This is posted by our friend, or this this uh, GitHub uh, is created by our buddy uh, Matthias Holman from uh, of. He wrote the iOS Apprentice series for uh, Ray Winter. Like actually, he wrote it himself and Ray published it. Um, yeah, he's been he's been uh, he started up an alg- uh, algorithm group at. Um, on our Slack group, and uh, and yeah, he's just fired this thing up a couple of weeks ago, and and or last week, I guess, um, and put it up there for, and it's an open source project, so people can contribute to it and um, um, have actually, if you want to learn algorithms and stuff like that, it's a really cool place to go. And totally he, a work and, in progress, eh? Yeah, and he's a, Matthias is is another. I I want to say he's self taught. I don't think he's super. I don't think he uh, came to this. Uh, through traditional channels, he kind of learned it all on his own, and and he lives in, um, I think he's in Holland. Tammy, do you know? I think he is in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. So. Breda, Netherlands, according to his GitHub profile. Yeah, his his uh, his uh, comment underneath his name on the Slack group. I'm just looking at it right now. Is troublemaker. So he's another one of us <laughs> troublemakers. He's the math is scary guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he likes math, though. He's I think he came. He's come to math late in life as well, right? Yeah. He he. Uh, yeah, he's a math guy. Yeah, he did. Oh, sorry, he did the math is math is scary talk at Ray Werner like uh, RWDevCon last year. I forgot about that. Yeah, 
Cool. And he actually, he if you if you want to check that out, uh, if you go to uh, the videos are online somewhere, aren't they, Tammy? Yeah, they're on the, probably on the. Oh right yeah, now. yeah, they're online. So his talk, he, there was a book that he read as an adult uh, on math that sort of really opened up the opened it up for him, and that was because I, I think he was telling me about last year when I met him that if I and sorry, Matthias, if I'm getting this wrong, but um, he. This, you know, he wasn't really sort of like, you know, traditional math student, as if, if I'm mistake, not mistaken, but it was this one particular book that he read that he thought should have been the book that we all learn math from, right? And there's been a, there's been a few things published around the web, let's just say, on algorithms written in Swift that are that take more of an Objective-C kind of approach to them. And I think that's part of Matthias was saying online that uh, that was re- one of the reasons why he wanted to start this particular group up um, to sort of get... Uh, People thinking Swifty kind of ways of doing algorithms and math or loops and stuff. Well, you keep bringing up Swift. I really want to talk about this article. Why I'm still using Objective C. Well, so now Aaron posted that, so we should throw him under the bus. Aaron, do you like to tell us about this? I sure can. Uh, this was published this week. I don't know the author. Mm-hmm. Nick Forge. Nick Forge is the author um, on UnexpectedAir.net. Uh, apropos of nothing, he published this piece about why he's still using Objective-C in 2016, and uh, the reason I, I linked it in here was because it, the reasons he's stating are the reasons that I was talking about for not using Swift uh, back last summer uh-huh. and earlier. Uh-huh. Um, the tooling, uh, the fact that things are changing, and that you cannot rely on your code that you're writing today to uh, not have to undergo changes when Apple comes out with a new version of Swift. Right. Um, and so that's essentially what he's talking about here. Um, now, I guess everyone's going to have a different jumping off point between Objective-C and Swift. I think, I think we've gotten to the point now where we should probably all agree that most iOS developers really ought to move to Swift at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? We can at least agree on that sort of... Yeah. fundamental level um it really is just a question of when and so uh for me that choice that deci- decision time uh happened when xcode 7 came out in swift 2 uh because it reached a, a very uh, i think a, a really good level of of usability uh especially around the tooling mm-hmm. uh and the stability of the language uh, it, it got a lot easier to use and uh swift 3 is going to make that even better mm-hmm. uh but uh, there is going to be a lot of big change happening uh, with Swift 2.3, which is coming out soon, I think, uh, and Swift 3.0, which will probably come out next summer. Mm-hmm. So things are happening quickly, and I think you know you could you could be forgiven for wanting to hold off a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the point that this guy's making. So um, I thought it was interesting, you know. Um, you know, like I said, everybody's going to have a different time to move, but I think everybody is going to move. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I was going to say that uh, I believe that the beta that's out now has um, already incorporated some user contributions to the Swift open source as well. Um, yeah, that's right. The two, the two point. Uh, I don't. I guess you two point two, two, point two is what's coming out because we were we were sort of debating <clears throat> of when that's going to hit the hit the. I thought two point three was what's coming, but you know the um, the seven two one Xcode that was just released last night. This is a, a, a not a beta. Not a beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm afraid of, of saying this, but um, there is something now that, that does remove the, the, the for loop stuff yes. and the incrementers and decrementers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe that is now gone from the official mainstream release of Swift. Right. So that's kind of a big deal, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to make such fundamental changes to the language. And there's more coming, you know, like especially uh, the simplified uh, method names mm-hmm. uh, for things like uh, uh, core graphics. That's going to change everybody's code, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in pretty big ways. Now, I'm hoping that there's going to be a really nice migration tool that comes with Xcode 8. Uh, but nonetheless, still a lot, a lot's going to be changing. I don't know. Like, to me, like, I'm writing in Swift 100% of the time. Uh, I know a lot of people that are, and uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're comfortable enough with it now that uh, going back is actually kind of difficult at this point. <laughs> um, you know, like, I like Objective-C, but it does feel old and busted in a way. Yeah, and, well, as you know, I'm still supporting a lot of legacy code. Of course. And, well, and, you're Mr. Legacy. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> That's because he's old. Oh yeah, well, no, old. no. I mean, it, he's got old apps, but anything, he just doesn't let go. Well, no, anything that anything that I've added, I've, I've added some some new Swift view controllers and stuff like that into some of the apps. So anytime I want to add a new feature, or whatever, I go down the Swift route. And anything I write from scratch is Swift now. But yeah, I mean, because I'm because I am supporting some older, you know, architectures. It's it's interesting because you're right. And what I was going to say was every time I look at it, I kind of go. I mean, you know, when you look at things that are strung together with dot syntax, it looks it kind of feels like Swift, but then there are those ugly square brackets here and there, right? So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, what gets me is the semicolons. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's weird. Um, you see semicolons, and I think, oh, that's old. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, there were a few languages back in the day. I think Java was one of them. JavaScript maybe didn't have real, didn't, Java. Or maybe, maybe I'm thinking of um, um, ActionScript in, in the old Macromedia days. Come on, it was, Tim. It's, it was it's pronounced Java. Java? Not Java. Really? Ah, here we go. <laughs> I assume that was a Canadian thing. I never heard that. What, JavaScript? Java. Java. JavaScript? Java, like coffee. Yeah, Java. Or like the island. Oh, my Java goodness. For Java. I'm going to Java you if you keep it because up. The island's name is Java. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that was a button to push. Java, Java, Java. Well, it's like, how do you end your alphabet again there, Tammy? Zed, listen, Zed. I'm one of you. Oh, are you? Well, there you go. See? Good girl. So I have to say, with, with the whole Swift Objective-C argument here, I, mm-hmm. I have to eat my words. I And I have to be woman enough to say that in the early adoption of Swift, I was so anti-Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did everything I could to not so much push against it as far as no 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 i'm not going to use it but pretty much yeah that's kind of what i did um but the more i started to use it the more i was forced to use it the more i used it the more i liked it then swift 2.0 came out and i was like wow this is really a huge improvement you know i I, i'm really digging this i like how it's working i like how simplified it is yeah and now you know, you were saying about going back into Objective-C. It does. It feels like I've got cooties all over me whenever I have to <laughs> yeah. write in Objective-C. So, like, every project that I do now, when I start it, it's a Swift project. Yeah, and sure. it yeah. feels so natural. And, yeah, granted, I, you know, again, I'm 40 years old. I didn't really want to learn something new. I was I was using Objective-C and, and having a good old time with it. Who wants to learn another language? But, again... The more you learn, the more you know, the more you can teach, the more other people can come up and learn with you. So I'm all for Swift now, and I feel bad that I dogged it from the beginning, but um, I can't... I don't think you should feel bad. 
You it, know? There was a learning curve, let's be honest, oh, right? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And, it was, and it was hard to use in the 1.0 era. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you a question. Here's a very simple visual exercise for you. When you look at your code and you do a build in Xcode, how many yellow warnings do you see when you use Swift? I am very yellow warning aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so I attempt to get rid of all of my warnings and my errors as quickly and swiftly. <laughs> see what I did there? Mm-hmm. As I can. Um, so I don't really see a lot of them. Yeah, I yeah, would have I'm to say that, like, you know, either. I would have to say that, you know, because of how loose in terms of type, safety, I guess, objective C was, you still see, I still see a lot of yellow warnings on the sides of those, those builds. But when I look at an, uh, um, a project on in Swift, I can't remember the last time I saw a yellow warning. Okay. So you're saying you've got more yellow warnings with objective C than oh, you do tons. Swift. I mean, like okay. they're, they're uncountable, like, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm not a better coder. I'm just a Swift coder now. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you must, you must approach things a little differently, like what Aaron likes to call idiomatic, idiomatically with Swift. Like you must have a different way of constructing your, your, um, Stuff, not, not not really. I mean, remember, I'm the uneducated fool. I just do things so they work, you right, know. But yeah. I I don't like I don't like errors. I don't like warnings. Um, I try and make my code clean. I try and make my code readable. I'm not huge on comments. I believe yeah. that comments are unnecessary if you write clean enough and and understandable enough code. Right. Um, which I've gotten a lot of slack for, or flack, or whatever you call it. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I try and write clean code that works with very little warnings and errors. Well, I do want to bridge this conversation over to the fourth member of this podcast and ask Jaime how you're doing with Swift and Objective-C. So I still happen to use Objective-C professionally, um, evaluating time and time again Swift, and it feels like the 3.0 release is probably where it will get real. Um, Where I'm at professionally with it is I think it makes the most sense uh, at least for my situation, to reduce risk by doing, you know, bread and butter functional code in uh, not, not functional, um, you know, like the paradigm, the programming paradigm, but more just like this actually has to go in the app. This will actually run code needs to be Objective C at this moment, if only because I'm not um, as versed in Swift as I could be, or perhaps even should be. And again, with the, you know, it could break in the next version of Xcode. And migrators may or may not get to 100% of the way there and still need to deliver. Um, but a nice compromise is to have the testing code, so, you know, Xcode UI testing and other unit testing type things done in Swift. Because if those break, at least you have a workaround of, yeah, it's terrible, but at least I could manually test these things and continue to go forward, right? So you see, you get a lot of the experience without putting the risk of, oh no, can't ship this week because Xcode 8.1 completely broke Swift 3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it's funny. We heard Apple say something very similar to that in a WWDC talk, I think. Oh no, no, it was at the Apple TV Tech Talks. They mentioned that. That uh, a lot of Apple developers who cannot use Swift in their projects because of legacy issues mm-hmm. are instead using it to write unit tests. Oh, interesting. But, uh, you know, we actually do see sort of going off on a tangent here. Uh, more than just code, um, where <laughs> people are seeing that Apple is not really using Swift that much. Uh, so any of Apple's apps, uh, they're not really adopting Swift. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny. 
Well, it's interesting. It comes back to that conversation we had a few minutes ago about uh, the dude uh, picking on the developer for not having studied computer science. At the end of the day, when you're running your app or when the consumer is running your app, they have no idea how you put that together, whether you use Swift or whether you use Objective-C, as long as it doesn't crash like 20, 27 times a, a minute. But, um, you know, they have from 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 the public's point of view they're looking at a nice you know graphic interface and they've got some nice cool transitions happening on the app and they have no idea how it was put together whether you're an idiot programmer or a great programmer right so i don't know you can tell an idiot programmer <laughs> well wasn't it wasn't brent simmons or something he was talking about one of his apps he just sort of uh, he said that you know at the end of the day nobody has any idea what's really going on underneath oh, there Remember yeah we we're talking that wasn't brent simmons that was someone else though um jared sinclair Right, right, right. And he was talking about just banging together an app, yeah. and the user can't tell the difference. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Because you just want to get something out there. Yeah. 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 Spaghetti yeah. tested but, on the public. Exactly. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's Jared Sinclair talking. He can do that because he's that good. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell, you can tell developers that don't really know their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually just thought of an example, but I don't want to name names, you know? Um, there's we'll an app that I... George. Yes, George, who made this app that I um, that I use every day, uh, is one of the mo- most important apps on my iPad right now. Uh, I see so many issues with it, where mm. I know as a developer that he's not using um, the uh, the frameworks correctly mm. because he's got visual errors that I can tell that uh, he's he's done something manually that he just should have relied on the frameworks for, you know. Mm. And there's a, there's a bunch of stuff like that in this app. But wait a second, you're still using the app every day. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't know you were using my app, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> we said George, not Tim. George, George, not Tim. No, no. This is. I'm serious. This is an app I use every day, and um, but it's uh, not stopping you from using the app. No, it's not. No, you right. know what it is doing though. It's making me write my own version of it. Oh, well, snap. yeah. What was it? Uh, nece- <laughs> I can ne- never remember ne- the same. Necessity is the mother of Ninma. Yeah, of that invention. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, you know, like I've got this, uh, I've mentioned in the past that I'm working on a, a rather large scale ambitious project. Um, I'm still working on that. But this is something that um, that I'm working on sort of as an aside to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very bad. But uh, this is, it just, um, you know, realized that there is uh, this, this perfect version of this kind of app that I would like. And uh, I asked the developer. Um, and he said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it. <laughs> so here we go. Alrighty then. I like to program, you know. I just like to do that in my spare time. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's the problem. Starting to stay awake is the tricky part. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Amateurs. Spoken as someone who doesn't go to sleep, right, Tiny? Did you say amateurs? (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me. Uh, Poor Tammy. Okay. Poor, Poor Tammy hasn't slept in like three days, so just go with it. <laughs> three days? So I thought it was longer than that. Probably. Um, I lo- it's math. I don't know. I, I, listen, after five, I lose track and see, I don't even know three and five, so I'm done. Mm-hmm. All righty. So let's go around the table like we usually do every week and see if anybody has any picks. And we'll stop at Aaron, see if Aaron has a pick. I have no picks. You I'm pick free. Don't want to pull one out of the. I'm pickless. Pickless? Hi, do you have a pick? I do, and I'm going to double up on the picks. All righty uh, then. Just in the spear here. So, one is uh, pomo.tv, P O M O.tv. Mm-hmm. It is a collection of videos about Mac, iOS, and Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's got a whole bunch of really good stuff there. Right now, it has 635 videos uh, covering all sorts of things, right? So, um, Thank You for Bugging Me is one of the top ones I see right here, where Rogue Amoeba is talking about um, the intersection of technology and humanity in the role of support. There's protocol-oriented data sources and Swift JSON gen, so on and so forth. And one of the great things is that this is... Uh, an open source project, so it's being run off of uh, GitHub essentially. So you can file a pull request and you know contribute to the community, or I guess maybe even self promote if you really wanted to. So that's the first pick. Uh, the second pick is for the uh, the Android folks who may or may not be in the audience. Um, so I've enjoyed the 360 iDev conference, which covers you know Mac and iOS development. Um, now they're starting 360 and Dev, Ooh. which is an Android conference in uh, in July. So, Chuki Chan is one of the uh, the folks heading that up. So, I've never been there. This is, I believe, the first inaugural one. But I'd have to imagine it's going to be good, just given the 360 iDev conferences to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John does put on a good conference. And is there a early word ticket? Uh... Let's see. I believe so faithful so we've got dates we're working on the lineup if you've got faith will deliver save some money fully refundable 150 dollars us that's actually going to be a good price because i'm sure based on the price of conferences in the united states notwithstanding indie dev no i forgot what it's called now <laughs> indie dev stock indie dev stock thank you notwithstanding that one most most conferences are pretty pretty high so my price. I mean, yeah, 150 US is is dirt cheap for this kind of conference. It's a yeah, for sure. two day conference. Two day, yes, July 28th and 29th, 2016. Cool. In Denver, Colorado. At the deposit. That's the full price. That's. I believe it is the full price. Like, yeah. Wow. That is amazing price. Yeah, because I'm sure that's going to go up and up and up and up and up. Oh, by the way, it also says fully refundable, so you, know, you could just take a chance on it right now, anyways, and just secure your spot. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll reach out to John and ask him for some details. And if I if I find anything compelling, I'll put it in the show notes for the folks who are interested. All right, and I'll be telling some of my Android dev buddies about this for sure. Um, that's your first pick, or that's your second pick, right? That was my second pick. I, I've, I've actually got a third. Let me, okay, let me well, just let's, throw let's, some let's, in here. Well, yeah. Oh my goodness, you're a madman. <laughs> so uh, the, the reason this came to mind is it's something that I'm potentially going to do myself and also um it it kind of was in the spirit of the mood that we had here related to how do i get started with these sort of things so uh google is having this sort of like global free set of um study jams for android fundamentals right Mm. so they're using um udacity as their partnership and it's a curriculum that's like what is it eight to nine weeks and looking at the map, they are all over the place. And I know that folks here in the Seattle area are going to be doing that. So, um, you know, that's a good way to get into this sort of thing. So if what you somehow found this podcast heck? and we're interested in getting into, uh, in this case, Android development, but um, as we may or may not have talked about before, Apple itself is doing something kind of similar-ish over in Italy. Yes, they Hopefully are. they'll expand that, uh, you know, globally fairly soon here. Yeah, I think it was one of the conversations we had last week that got kind of cut short. Um about Apple opening a training city training center in Napoli, I think. Was it Naples? Yeah, Napoli. Sorry, potato, potato. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting throat cleared by Aaron. <laughs> the, the nearest, the nearest one to us, Tim, Sudbury. What this jam thing? This Android jam. Oh, it's not an online thing. 
No, it's in person. Oh, seriously? Well, yeah, I believe the courses are, are. No, yeah. Sudbury is like like the, the eight hours great away. White, great right north, and it's north, baby. Actually, it looks right, like so, the nearest one might be Ann Arbor, Michigan, but like nothing in Toronto. Weird. Yeah, I don't understand. There's only well, we'll talk about this when I get to my pick. But uh, hmm, hmm. So my understanding is the Udacity course is itself available online and uh, and free. Uh, these study jams are to give you sort of a a cohort sort of thing. Um, I'm sure there will be like a Slack group or a Google Hangouts or something related to this. Yeah, so you can sit, uh, get together and study stuff. Is what your the idea? Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes people like having you know a warm body to actually look at and talk about and commiserate on their coding problems. Sure, sure, cool. Alrighty then, um, Tammy. I am sorry to say that my pick has absolutely nothing to do with development or design because I my you, oh no uh. no my pick is all about the X Files reboot, which I'm sure you don't want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. We're, we're rewatching the original series right now. Are you? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, do you have spoilers in mind here, Tammy? I will not spoil it for anyone, but all I can say is I am thoroughly enjoying it. I know that episode three, some people were complaining about because it was too tongue-in-cheek and too much over-the-top comedy and not so much um, conspiracy. Really? Is that the episode three that I watched? Episode three, season 10, which is the X-Files reboot. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but then again, I'm a bit of a, a wackadoo. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. If you have a chance and you want to relive your eighties and nineties or whatever year the X-Files came out in, Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend the X-Files reboot season 10 as it is officially called. Um, the only thing I can say is I keep trying to feed Jillian Anderson a cheeseburger through my monitor. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of noticed that. And now I, I do know what you mean by that. Yeah, for sure. But it's I, terrible. I know. It's like you know, it's the Italian. What? It's coming out of me. you got to eat something. Yeah, no, put some bones on there. Put some meat on that bones. Um, I was going to ask, I was kind of wondering why you wouldn't have used any dev stock as your pick. Because I didn't want to be a self-serving jerk face. Well, go ahead. Well, let me let me let me allow you to be a self-serving jerking. This is a safe environment for being a self-serving jerk face. Trust me. How's Magpie doing there, Aaron? I don't even know. <laughs> I'll, I'll look that up. While Give I'm her, Tammy. Tell us about Indie Dev Stock. What's going on? Indie Dev Stock is a conference that um, I am organizing with the help of Angela Scott and Janie Clayton. Uh, the conference is being held in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland uh, Convention, well, I think it's Resort and Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee, September 16th and 17th. That's a Friday and Saturday. It is the first conference that I have organized. Um, I also believe it's the first conference that Janie and Angela have organized. It is not just for indies. It is a place where people who are either just starting out as indies or have been doing indie development for years or even those who are considering doing indie development, um, it's, it's just a way to make connections with people in the Apple community, and we will have inspiration talks. We'll have um, tech talks. In fact, there's one tech talk that I'm really excited about. I'm not sure why I'm so excited about it, but I am. But it's um, about MVC 
uh, mm-hmm. model view controllers. And we're going to be doing some hands-on with that. So I'm very excited about that. And like I said, we're also going to do inspirational talks. And we're hoping that the people who come to the conference will have a sense of empowerment when they leave. I mean, because it really is about connections and lifting people up and making them, helping them to achieve the things that we know that they can achieve. I mean, a lot of times we're just so torn down through life and we're always told that, no, you can't do that or it's impossible or you're crazy for even thinking that. But that's not true. If you want it and there are people around you to support the things that you want, you can achieve it. And we're hoping that Indie Dev Stock will give you the tools, the stepping stones that you need, and the knowledge required in order to, and I hate to sound so bumper stickerish about it, but make your dreams come true. So we're hoping that you can come out to Indie Dev Stock, Nashville, Tennessee, September 16th and 17th. And uh, ticket sales are happening now, so go to www.indiedevstock.com, and uh, we hope to see you there. Well, check out the lineup. So people who we recognize, uh, Joe Chiplinski, mm-hmm. uh, notable from uh, Release Notes and that podcast. And uh, what do we have here? Uh, Mr. Greg Heo. Nah, he's too shifty looking. I'm occasional. <laughs> yeah, he's always got the uh, Kaiser Soze kind of look to his, uh, <laughs> his avatar. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a lot of great speakers. I mean, we've got Simon Allardyce. Obviously, cool. Jenny Clayton is going to be speaking there. We've got um, Ellen Shapiro is going to be speaking. Cool. Technically, I'm supposed to be speaking, but I'm probably just going to give the keynote because, um, you know, we're going to have so many other spots there that we just want other people besides me. I tend to drone on anyway. But still, I mean, it's more than just who's speaking and what are you going to get out of the conference i mean it's nashville tennessee Mm -hmm. this is the music city this is the capital of music city i mean this is where music has been inspired written created we have pretty much scheduled the conference in order to be able to allow our attendees and our speakers and anyone who else is going to come enjoy the conference get out of whatever they're going to get out of the conference, and then go and experience Nashville. I mean, just the fact that we're having it at the Gaylord, it's like a city within a city, so you don't even need to leave the um, the hotel. We've got shops there and um, bars and restaurants and all sorts of stuff. But if you're, if you're wanting to leave the hotel, which obviously certainly you can do, Nashville's like 10 minutes away. We've got shuttles already ready to take you out to the city of Nashville. You can experience live music and just one heck of a time in Nashville. So even if you're not into the whole tech inspiration stuff, come to Nashville for Nashville. <laughs> cool. All right. So my pick is is kind of related. Hey, look, there's a conference in Toronto on iOS. And it's, <laughs> and it's uh, well, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's on iOS. Um, it's NS North. NS North is moving down from... Um, uh, Ottawa area down to Toronto this year, um, and uh, Dan and uh, Philippe are bringing it down here. And um, I always get her name wrong. Um, the lady from the working group is helping out, uh, and they've got some great speakers. They've got Ayat Anak, 
here Aaron's favorite name, Ayana. Ayaka Nonaka. Ayaka. Is Ayaka Nonaka going to be there? Yeah, she's going to be there. And uh, Janie Clayton, of course, is going to be there. And, and Jonathan Ryan and Nick Arnott is coming as well. And I'm sure they'll be filling out the schedule. But right now, uh, you got 84 days to go. And for till February 20th, there's the early bird special on tickets. Um, so, And it's a great conference. I've been to it before. I've been to it twice before. Aaron, you've been to it once. And Jaime came to all the way from Seattle, Washington last year to the uh, conference between Ottawa and Montreal. Yes, the Lodge in Montebello, which um, was, was quite a thing. So mm-hmm. if I get the opportunity, and I'm not 100% sure, I'm still trying to figure out my uh, conference schedule sure. for the year. Um, it will be interesting to see how it differs being in Toronto. Yeah. Or Toronto. 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 There we go. <laughs> What's the price going to be after the early bird? It like goes up $100. So it'll be nine hundred Canadian. No, it'll be yeah eight ninety nine. And then there's also there are, for those of you who want to get you know your feet wet and swift, they're doing a one day uh, tech workshop on the Thursday, which is the twenty no. What is it? Uh, Dan told me about the other day. Now I've forgotten. Twenty seventh. Thank you. Um, there, uh, yeah. So it's a one day workshop, all, like a sort of all day thing on learning as much as you can about Swift in one day. Um, Oh, my apologies. The conference, well, the workshop is on the 28th, the same day that the conference starts. Uh, the conference starts at 6 p.m. Right. And the workshop right. is all that day. All that day, yeah, before, leading up to it. Yeah, and, and you can, if you if you want to get the uh, conference ticket and do the workshop, the workshop's 100 and, oh, sorry, it's... Uh, 200. Yeah, it's... Um, and if you want to bring five five or more people, uh, you can save five percent, or ten or more people and save ten percent if you have a big team coming. But if I remember correctly, there's only around two hundred and fifty tickets, something like that, are being sold. Mm. So yeah, and, it, and you know, those of us from this area here, and that that means you know, uh, people close to us in the states, as well as you know. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, kind of all make the trek to NS North. Um, so I would be wouldn't be surprised if uh, now that it's in Toronto, it would uh, go pretty quickly in terms of ticket sales. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I I'd love to get paid by my client so that I can have money to attend this conference. So if your client's um, but, listening, you know. It's be- you know yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, I would like to attend. Uh, I I want to support a, to- a Toronto-based conference. Yes. I, um, did it you is know Nashville's one. in Toronto? <laughs> I did not know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm definitely undecided on attending. That's for sure. Um, it's if I do go, it'll be paying the full rate and decided at the last minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, worth pointing out that there is, uh, as of today, a discount for uh, folks who use U.S. dollars. Ooh, yes, um, that's true. Oh, yeah. So if you're traveling oh, by God. car, 799 Canadian is 581 U.S. and 999 Canadian is 726 U.S. You guys are killing me with these numbers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm using the Googles to tell me, and I'm looking at this graph, and the number's going down, so um, you can choose when to buy. Yeah, you're right, Jaime. I guess if you're if you're keeping track of the Canadian versus U.S. dollar, uh, it's going to change every day. Good time to buy. Indeed. All righty. So I guess that's it uh, for the week. And so, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the Twitter machine, at Aaron Vey. And Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? On Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And Tammy, if people want to get a hold of you. Also on Twitter, Paradox927. All right. And as I said Look before, <laughs> I am Tim Metro, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. I'm also T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Peach. Whatever. I haven't figured Never. it out. Have you figured it out yet? No, you haven't. I you, haven't you, looked at it. Yeah. 
No, not interested. Yeah, I didn't even get my name on it. No, really? No. Yeah, really. It's nothing. Oh, okay. You mean you haven't registered yet is what you meant. That is correct. Okay, yeah. It's a different thing than not getting your name. That's it. I guess we'll say goodbye for the week. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. And You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. I'm so excited to be your third choice. <laughs> wow, you're my third choice. <laughs> and didn't you say that uh, someone was missing and Greg was in San Francisco? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that leaves you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, how are you guys doing in the new uh, in the new world of Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> With our new uh, our new leaf. Yeah. Actually, I'm not even recording yet. We probably shouldn't even talk about it yet. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead and talk about it. Aaron don't care. Aaron don't care. I was going yeah, I do I do like the um like if the Blue Jays had changed to just the Jays bit that I, I think we definitely would be talking about uh especially because it would be one letter away from being the Rays. Wait a second, are we talking hockey or something? Uh, baseball, yeah, hockey and baseball. Oh my goodness. They're the same to me. <laughs> Guys running around with sticks hitting balls. It's it's all the same to me. I'm a fan of many um sports ball activities but uh, sports puck is just a little bit on the fringe edge of my knowledge i used bit. to watch a lot of sports but i don't i don't really do it anymore yeah well you're, you were from jersey did you get in did you watch hockey when you were up there i watched a little hockey but mostly i watched nascar oh nascar really oh, i know it's a shock right grown men driving around in circles in cars go right go fast <laughs> go left actually see a directionally <laughs> challenged <laughs> This is nothing new. So I was going to tease you because I don't know if you knew, but the NHL All-Star Game was in Nashville. I was surprised you didn't go over there and meet my buddy George. No, but my kid is uh, begging me to go to Nashville next week for a um, cube challenge. I guess the, he, he's into a Rubik's Cube. and No way. Yeah. I mean, both my kids can solve it like under 15 seconds. My husband yeah. can solve it. Me, not so much. Yeah. Um, but there's like this huge Rubik's Cube challenge. They don't call it Rubik's Cube. They call it just cubing, I guess. I don't know. I'm cubing. from the 80s. It's always Rubik's to me. Yeah, it's funny because I was just watching a, a, a thing I taped on TV the other day about the 80s. And that was one of the one of the highlights was this fabulous cube thing, right? So I was oh, yeah. taped. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you just dated yourself. <laughs> I said taped. Yeah. I said taped. That's okay. San Jose, it would have been kind of cool to get uh, Greg and Mark on the same show 
in the same place, same locality. Greg is in San Jose? Yes. Did I say that out loud? I shouldn't have said that. He's going down for sun. Yeah, that's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There it is. Okay, I'm exporting. It's not, it's not over until Aaron hears and seen or says it. So, As we've learned, it's sometimes not over when we hear that. <laughs> well, that's because usually we wait for Aaron to leave, and then we talk about Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have not seen Star Wars yet. Really? What? You've been what? Slack. I saw you slacking watching Star Wars on your big screen, but not the not No. The- well, no, I was watching the like whatever, the not whatever the new one is. So have your kids and your husband seen it yet? Because they do go outside. <laughs> no, but my kids are such little assholes because my husband was cooking dinner one night and my little one says, Hey, do you know what? Han Solo Oh no. Oh, oh baby. What? And my That's husband trouble. goes, What? I've been waiting twenty years. You just ruined it for me. <laughs> Have they seen it though? Clearly. No, they got it oh, off no. the internet. Oh, off the internet. Oh, oh man. That's uh, yeah, that's a teachable moment. I mean, this is like a PSA kind of thing where it's like, Have you talked to your child today about spoilers? Wow. And spoiler yeah. etiquette. It was really funny because I was just sitting there in the living room laughing my butt off because I knew, you know, I, you can't get you couldn't have at that time. You couldn't have gotten on Twitter without actually seeing what had happened. And, oh, really? Oh, I found that my Twitter stream was really well behaved in that regard. Oh. Really? No, I guess no I other regard, but not that jerks or something. I don't know. because <laughs> It was all over my Twitter feed and my Facebook. It was horrible. Yeah, we even put wow. a spoiler banner across our, our, our show banner when we, we put it in there. So. For, for those people who hadn't seen it before. Well, so I was kind of two minds of that, um, of yeah, how we did things, because we didn't actually put like a spoiler horn or anything in the episode itself. Right. Um, but by the time we it came out and everything, I think the the most hardcore of fans had probably seen it by Yeah, then, the smoke so had kind of limited our liability there. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and it's just, it's kind of, I was actually wondering about that when I put that up there, thinking, what is the statute of limitations on spoilers? Like, how far into <laughs> you go, right? So... I think normally a movie's got to be given, you know, like a year. A year? Uh, a year? Yes, like a year. No, come l- on. L- let's look at this, right? So there are. I would think till it comes out on like DVD or VHS or whatever. Wow, which VHS. can which can vary, right? There's some that come out within <laughs> okay, three months, six months, a year. You know, a DVD, you know, Redbox, Netflix, that sort of thing. That's pretty reasonable uh, for, for the average movie. I think for a Star Wars. You know, a month or two, like if they haven't seen it, they're probably okay with you telling them what's going on. Like it's, okay. it's like, it's such an event that it, you make time for it. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know. I tried to rewatch, like, because I was a huge fan of the, the original Star Wars and, and, you know, one, two, and three, which is really three, four, and five. Is that how that goes? Four, no, five, four, six, five, and six. Don't worry, it's math. Don't worry about it. And no, I'm not good with the math. So my husband and I tried to watch one through six in order, and we just, it was so difficult getting through one through three. It really was, you know? The movies are terrible. Oh, they are. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? What's that other? But there's another order you can watch. It's like, it's like Machete um, Order. Machete Order. Have you heard? Machete Order. Yeah, check out Machete Order online. It's a way of, it's an order of watching them, but you don't watch. No, 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 because no, the go problem with Machete Order is that it involves watching any of the prequels. Just <laughs> don't watch them. Watch, watch four, five, and six. So let me ask you: what do you, what do you think about exists. Clone Wars and the Reb and the the new Rebel oh, series? I enjoy those. Oh, yeah, do you? I enjoy those. Well, yeah. Wait, is that the little animated, like, yeah. the little animated series? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're good. See, I never watched that. No, I've never seen Rebels, but I'm about. Uh, 
halfway through Clone Wars on um, on Netflix, hmm. and it that is um, better in my mind. Really, Clone yeah. Wars is like surprisingly adult in its content. Yeah, um, it is. So Clone Wars is better. also animated. Yes. Yes, okay. it's got a. Um, Almost like a cell shaded kind of look to it. It looks yeah, like they were like painted. If you've ever played um, like uh, The Walking Dead by. Um, oh, I love The Walking Dead on the iPad. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I forget who makes it. I, I can't remember the shame tell, on me tell, for not remembering no, that. Tell, tell Tell Yes. Yes. It's kind it's of very kind of a Borderlandsy style. style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a second version of it now too, isn't there? Is there a new version of that uh, game, Tammy? Season I two. have, yeah, I have not actually downloaded it because I, I got, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm staring at my iPad Pro and my pencil still in a box on my desk. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Mint in box, eh? Almost. I, I used it twice. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's amazing because that's quite the opposite of uh, Tim here who's yeah. like, I imagine Trumbo style. He uses it like while sitting in the bathtub and the police <laughs> is most creative. But you know what? I actually do have a big giant Ziploc bag. I'm going to be honest with you. My biggest problem is I don't have a case for it. So I keep putting it in the box when I'm done with it. And the last yeah. time I was done with it, it just stayed in the box. I just I haven't mean, had it. I use my iPad Pro so much. I just had it replaced. You did the, not. I iPad did, so. replaced? Yeah, well, no, because it, the it had that issue with the magnets. They actually replaced yeah. the entire unit. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> that was what? the iPad problem? <laughs> yeah, it was the actual iPad. The, the magnets were installed upside down. I guess they were in such a hurry to get them out. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. So, th- so actually, w- w- when you close the case, it would actually hover like an eight, like a millimeter of above the thing. But th- now, now that I've got it replaced, it's it's closest like great. And and so, let's put it this The bank I work at is such a walled environment that there's no point in bringing your own computer there because when you're at the office, you can't do anything, right? So the only tools I use uh, for for personal consumption or for whatever is I have my iPhone six and I have my iPad Pro, and those are the only two tools I take to me to the office every day. So drawing How you like and you dealing huh? with it? Yeah, you know, it, well, you know what? I, I've been dealing. I've had plenty of enterprise level customers over the years, and you know, I've had to deal with you know working inside those environments in the past. So I've kind of always sort of been aware of the kind of restrictions, if you want to call it that, or security or, you know, challenges you have. Um, you know, but uh, so it wasn't a huge surprise for me to go into those kind of environments. Like, you know, I have a badge. I can access two floors in the building and that kind of stuff. And But the great thing I love about it is the fact that the path is just below the building. So I can go down. Yeah, there's yeah. all those shops and stuff. It's like, so literally I get, I, you know, it takes me 15, 20 minutes to take the streetcar in the morning because I'm very close to a couple of stops. And it drops you right off at the front door practically. And, you know, there's like. It's really nice to be able to actually, you know, the worst part of it is, is you know, the streetcar in the morning and, and coming home. But once you're there, you're kind of there and you've got the whole community. You have, you know, everything's within walking distance. If you need to go to a drugstore or whatever, there's all cho- like bazillion choices of food. Yeah, but you the still have to leave the house. All right, take care. Nice yeah. to hear from you, Tammy. Uh, let's do this again. <laughs> yeah, anytime you all need me, I'm, I'm usually uh, here not y'all. leaving my house. <laughs> Oh, come on now. <laughs>